Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. Hello and welcome back to what is usually Three Witches and a Druid. This week we have some special guests with us. So we are four witches, a druid and a heathen. I am not participating in this episode, given the subject matter and my complete lack of experience with it. But I am Margot, and I am saying farewell and enjoy all our wonderful guests. So I'm Gwen. I'm Maeve. And we have with us, who would like to go first? I'm Kat. Our witch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jennifer. Our heathen. And I'm Karen Larder, and I'm a druid. And that was just randomly, like, you'd think we went out and handpicked these parents, but we did not. Not not for the reasons of, you know, everybody having their own little specific religious take on it. It's just a happy coincidence, so I'm looking forward to this. For this episode, one of the things that might be interesting to talk about is that Kat had mentioned we've just gotten past Samhain and Kat had mentioned that she had had her daughter was it perform ritual with you this time so do you want to share I mean our kids have been at rituals that we've led before but mostly they were more rituals that were really tailored to them so to them as part of the audience so you know of course we've led our regular sabbats our backyard rituals you know different things in our own home but also at you know we we do do some pagan camping and when we do we've we've led a few rituals where they were included but this was the first one i think that i led where i i wasn't entirely taking into account the fact that this was the first time my child had seen me lead something that wasn't we hadn't written anything specifically to address the fact that a child was present this is this is a grown-up ritual right this is our Samhain on the commons it's you know it's a little bit more pomp and circumstance than we're used to and it's a sensitive subject right so the veil is thin we talk about our beloved dead you know when it comes to this sort of public ritual there's you know a few elements that need to be there there's the participants bringing something forward there's the the leaders giving something back you know there's a public sharing and a little bit of mourning as well so this was the first time that my young daughter had been invited this was the first time she was old enough to be present at something like this my son had been there previously but she's a different kiddo than he is so she's present right now so i might press pause for a moment and yes she walked in as i'm telling a story about her which is not her favorite this is parenting, though, right? This is this, this happens all the time, and this is why you're very careful about what you yeah. say and when you say it. Yeah, okay. and I will say that my, you know, she, she doesn't usually like me to talk about it. So, I, you know, I was in the moment. I was in the ritual. I was the main ritual leader, the one who said the most things as a part of this public sound ritual that is unrehearsed, and there's lots of different moving parts, and so it's always a little chaotic, and I'm always really thinking about all of the things in the moment. And do I have your permission to tell this story about you when I come see just about how, how what you thought about the Samhain ritual come sit with me for a sec so at the end of the ritual when we had done all of the moving and moving in and out and you know there was a fire and a fire extinguisher like it was all very dramatic <laughs> you know um, as we were doing what we do um, on the commons and at the end I came over and I saw that my child she had tears in her eyes and she I said how are you feeling and she said I'm feeling really upset I'm feeling sad and I said why 
why are you sad? Like, did something happen? Is some, and she's like, well, all of the things that you said in the ritual, I'm feeling sad. Like she's in the moment, like all of the things that I had said, you know, she was still there in that moment. And, you know, uh, it was just really, it just reminded me of like why I was there and why I was doing what I was doing. And she's like, you know, you talked about our beloved dead. So I was thinking about my friend that had died. And I was thinking about, you know, like, this is what we're here for. Of course, it's sad when we're talking about our beloved dead. So of course that I'm, I'm crying, of course I'm sad. And I thought, well, I'm so glad that we got to experience this together. And it really made me, it just kind of pulled me back into the moment because it's kind of hard sometimes when you're leading a public ritual like that to feel those things yourself because you're offering that and you're supporting a group experience that you're having. And so it was just, it kind of pulled me back. And I thought that was really, that was really special that we got to share that moment. How wonderful that she's that aware. Yeah. She was able to take that from the ritual. That is wonderful. What a wonderful thing. And it's normally something that we do privately in our backyard after trick-or-treating with a couple of sparklers and in the way that my mother had always taught me to remember our beloved dead on Halloween. Yeah, so that was just kind of a special moment. And that's when I remembered, oh, it's that one. We should bring out the sparklers. So after the ritual was over and everyone else was cleaning up, I brought out some sparklers and my kiddos who were used to that part of, of that moment, we brought out the sparklers and we all had a little moment with them. And then I passed them out to some young people too who were hanging around and seemed like they needed something extra too. So my kids and and the young people. And it was nice. And it was also not a freezing Samhain, which some, some years it's so cold that you can't take off a glove for fear of getting frostbite. She did not wear her coat and she was just fine. <laughs> she would like you to know. <laughs> it was warm enough. It was not a cold, cold Samhain here. No, it was, it was lovely. And it, it was the night before the 31st. So on the actual 31st, it was pouring down rain and we, did, we didn't last very long with our trick-or-treating. So I was glad that we got to, you know, share that moment as we do in thinking of our beloved dead and the losses and the new year and the new blessings to come. So it was nice to have that together. Very so. nice. No, Maeve, I can remember your daughter <laughs> usually not attending but she was quite happy to be an officiant, to be a part of it, because often in large public ritual, they're very theatrical, right? And there's that component. Spring fairy and all these I was going to say, I remember things, the spring yeah. one. I still have lovely pictures of all the little spring fairies. I find, and I'll say this to those of you out there who still have the young kids, my daughter will be 20 this winter coming and she's at that well I don't really think I'm a pagan I don't really blend whatever and then she's been like this for you know two three years because you know it's not as cool as it should be all that I've always known that she lit up in ritual she is always lit right up and even at the festivals she's helped me lead a couple of them passing out things and calling a quarter and, and all and on and she really glows completely when she's doing it didn't always come to a lot of, you know, the weekend ones or this when she was younger because that was mom's time. You know, we had little observances at home. But it's always interesting to see children um, when they're younger because they, they're, they're so free about themselves and they're so, you know, they, they can feel so much more than many other people can. But when they get a little older, if they kind of go, meh, try not to take it personally. I was heartbroken at first. <laughs> terrible but uh, no it's very good and you know we're 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 in ritual and deers appear when my daughter's in ritual so it's uh it's really quite something Erin did you what did you have with uh your crowd there what does Atticus know of Samhain well it's interesting I noticed when Kat was saying oh when you're hosting a ritual you have a, an obligation to all of your guests and that's part of our virtue so we have a virtue of hospitality and, and so on and so forth we want to be we want to be nice nice hosts and uh there's a real strong draw when you're trying to get everybody into the moment and you know build energy to keep the kids away because they're loud and they're distracting and sometimes they can pull you out of a meditation and that's no fun and you're trying to give these people an experience and especially if you're leading which brian and i often do you know you you, you fear little things like that so we always play kind of a game where whoever's leading the other person is responsible for the child and and atticus is pretty good about wanting to participate in ritual he likes to be part of it sometimes more than others depending on what the other kids are doing or how many other kids are there but when he's when he's done he's usually really done and it at five, he can make some pretty solid distance if you're not paying attention and you're outside. So, uh, you know, kids, kids like animals are always 
free roaming. I know that's that's kind of an unwritten rule for when you guys cast a circle, but it's the same in any any sacred space that we build. Children and animals can pass in and out freely. We do try to engage him as much as possible because we want it to be normal and, and fun and just part of his upbringing. But uh, it's it's funny because I, I sort of have that conflicting value of, you know, you're having your ritual, you want everything to be serious, you want people to connect, you want that wonderful moment that they, you know, they take away a good feeling like Kat's daughter having all of those feelings after ritual. That's That's what you want everyone to feel. And what if my kid ruins that? But the value in actually having your child there and having them experience greatly outweighs that. And if you can tag team it with um, multiple parents, be it from the same family or not, just having somebody there to make sure that the kids are monitored and taken care of uh, or participating as they see fit. You know, we try to tie them in as much as possible. I remember one time attending maybe an open ritual hosted by the Druids at the UU. I think maybe it was solstice. There was somebody took on the on the job of being child wrangler sort of thing and entertainers. So if they decided to leave the circle, you had already sort of planned that there would be one adult sitting outside of this ritual that would keep an eye on everybody's children sort of thing. I'm sure that just freed up the space for other parents and then didn't have so much stress on the kids too, right? I can remember growing up and, you know, that would be 60s and 70s in a Protestant church and then, you know, having a hand and it didn't have to be your parents but somebody's some adult would smack you upside the back of the head if you were talking too loud or fidgeting too much or all of those sorts of things yes indeed yeah that that was the day of so allowing kids to be kids allowing them to experience and then opt out when they don't want to and then but having that space so that the parents are not worried about their children now that i just thought that was excellent planning that is an excellent plan very smart. It's funny you were talking about being at the UU and being in ritual. And I remember when Atticus was very tiny and uh, still breastfeeding, pretty fresh. We had gone to a ritual at the UU and I thought, I'm going to be one of those courteous parents. And this goes right back to the parenting. I'm going to be one of those courteous parents. I'm going to sit at the back of the room. I'm going to stay out of everybody's way. And of course, baby starts fussing. And I think, okay, I know what to do. I'm just going to whip out the girls and he'll have his little feast and I get to stay here. And that means mommy gets to socialize from being, you know, locked up in the house with baby. This is going to be great. I've got this all sorted out. And he settles into his meal and everything's fine until he starts gulping and snorting. And I think I had everyone's attention. Absolutely. No, no one was in that moment. They were all looking around for the tiny piglet that was attached to my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I know that snort. (laughs) Hilarious. I love that so much. Jennifer, do you, are your um, rituals, I am sure, intergenerational because your focus is is, uh, with your kids for your writing and everything, right? Yeah, my big focus is on all that. And uh, I don't celebrate Samhain. I do uh, Vetanoff, although I did do the Samhain ritual with uh, Brian and Karen there, mostly because my mom my mom labels herself as a pagan or a witch and it was really fun to take her to it to be around like-minded people and i've always been kind of hesitant to put any sort of label to myself because i've always felt more spiritual and ancestor connected but altogether that makes me norse pagan so (laughs) norse pagan heathen i'm very much into the history of everything so we did veteranoff but this year we had our entire families. So I had my husband's brother, mother, father, and aunt, and everybody's children there, as well as uh, my mom. And we had the three kids running around. And I don't know how to lead rituals. Um, I've pretty much been closeted my whole entire life. And I didn't even know Norse paganism or heathenism existed until I read my books. So. When it came to this and leading it, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes because my husband and I are the only people who call ourselves Norse pagan or heathen. And then there's my mom who's pagan or a witch. And I'm always very comfortable with my mom around, but now I'm leading this massive uh, harvest feast for an extended family who has no idea what to expect. 
and we're there to worship my mormor and my husband's nanny who have uh, passed away recently to like 10 years ago it feels recent but we remember them every year and we have for a very long time my mom has always uh, kind of snuck Samhain into Halloween just to try to tell me that there's a pagan origin to this nonsense <laughs> yeah <laughs> and would tell me the the folklore that goes behind that, which is also what led me to doing more research behind Yule because she did the same thing with Yule. So I was kind of quiet in leading the ritual. I kind of, you know, I did mention, you know, this is our set, this is our wine, this is our sacrifice to honor our grandmothers, our desir. Um, these are their plates. They're joining us with our. They're welcome to join us at our feast. And then I shared my memories of both of these incredible women uh, to try to get the conversation rolling. But nobody really wanted to chime in, which is okay because you know you got to respect everybody else. But I slowly, after the supper, went around to everybody and asked them if they had any favorite memories of these women and what they want to share eventually come towards the end of the night was not, not a lot was shared but i did eventually just outright say hey so while we're still celebrating while more and more nanny are still here are there is there anything you want to share with anybody anything you'd like to say and it pretty much went quiet but <laughs> it's like that's okay just just respecting everybody's space. But I, with my husband and myself, we've been a little bit more outgoing about it all. And we've, we've shared our stories a lot more. We'd usually finish up with a bonfire and just drink and talk around it for the rest of the night. But uh, it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had, we had the fire, we had the candles lit, but it, there wasn't any big fire fire feast it was just a little candlelit well big candlelit dinner and then we still have an elf blot coming up and on the next full moon so i'm sure my husband and i will do it there and we've just uh, recently lost another member of the family so while he's around while the veil's still thin we're going to uh, celebrate his life very nice i just um quickly and i didn't want to get caught up on Samhain. i was just thinking about ritual in general but now i have a Samhain story that everybody's sharing and it was a Samhain again open to the public ritual held at the universalist unitarian church and it was very interesting so there was maybe about 35 40 people in circle there and i was helping but not leading and the lead officiants had asked for people to speak the name of a relative into the circle that they wanted to honor for Samhain, they wanted to remember, and maybe a little bit in how they touched them. And we went around the circle and everything was as you would think. And we came to a then, I would say be about 13 year old boy, and he spoke the name of his uncle and his mother just her head jerked and looked at him like strangely and his uncle had early onset dementia he was still alive but he had early onset dementia and he said my uncle is still alive but it is if he has left us all and you know it would take a child to make those connections because by the time we get to adulthood, there are set ways of doing things and set ways of remembering people. And I've always, always remembered that. It's really stuck in my mind. And I thought that's the value of having somebody who thinks differently as part of your circle whenever you can, because you really see things differently. So as we move into the Yule season, I mean, there's lots of other things that we can talk about but within within ritual or any special ways of in, that you plan to include your children or have in the past or stories of around around jewel mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, as i mentioned i didn't really have a label up until i started uh writing my book like yule is essentially the reason why i I found everything, the, the community, because I was only trying to 
fact check my mom's story as well. I was trying to write a beautiful, cozy story for my son to grow up with something that he that would resonate with them as much as Christmas seems to resonate with the rest of the children out there. And we don't really have a lot for our kids to hold on to when it comes to Yule. You kind of have to hope that the family spirit and the family memories are enough. And with my own brothers, it wasn't enough for them, although it was all we had ever really known at home. So when I was pregnant, I started going through this whole entire crisis about what if my son is just like my brothers and they need something material to that they can hold that makes it real to them. And then, well, through a whole entire life of remembering information wrong or being given wrong information, I knew I had to fact check all this stuff. And so I started doing research and I hit a dead end in I guess mundane research <laughs> because I was trying to find the etymology behind the names and trying to find that that one goddess from like Scandinavia from medieval Scandinavia and tracing it back to pre-Christian time and to me I was very focused on pre-Christian and, and I didn't realize that there was an entire category that I was missing until I went on to a couple Facebook groups and asked some Swedish communities if they could help me answer this question that may not have an answer. And they sent me over to the heathen groups, the heathen and the Norse pagan groups. And that's where a lot of momentum started building. Originally, this book was just supposed to be a cute little story I had for my son at home. And a few other women said, if you write this, I want it. So um, that's when somebody told me about print on demand. So it wasn't that I needed to wait five years to get this printed by somebody who may or may not pick up my book. It was just, you know, I'll make it. Here you go. And we'll print it when it's when it's needed. So if I sell five books, I sell five books. And it didn't really matter to me after that. And I just kind of everything took off from there. I ended up tracing uh, well, Santa Lucia is this, she's almost angel-like, but she, my mom always said she was a martyr for the pagan community. And she's in almost any Swedish choir around Christmas. There's this beautiful song uh, where there's a woman with, a woman with candles around her head and a white gown and a red sash around her waist. And she goes down the aisle with a bunch of other children and the boys have little white cones on their heads and tinsel around their waist. Everybody's wearing these gowns and it's really beautiful. It sounds, it's a bit more corny than, <laughs> than it is, but Santa Lucia concerts were always a big thing in my family because it was the only time my mom really had to her Swedish roots. So I started with Santa Lucia because my mom said she was a martyr who got stabbed for standing up for her my mother Diana, and who was traced back to the mother, based everything around. And I never would have found any of that if it weren't for the community. And it was actually amazing how so much is tied to this woman because she gives blessings and curses and she cares about the well-being of children. She rides with the wild hunt around Yuletide, which is, I think, the, she might be the only, uh, the only guest welcome in and out of the wild hunt. But the studies were amazing, the book was amazing, but overall I was able to tie in the evergreen tree, which has roots in medieval skin. It's not Christian, it's not pagan, it's just how people kept their houses warm. So it doesn't belong to anybody, just everybody has it. And they eventually started decorating their trees and eventually that became a centerpiece for towns. And then there's all the crafting, which is important because Frahora is the goddess. She's a spinner and a weaver and the goddess of the home and hearth. So crafting would be important when it comes to, for kids because it's how they're going to help take care of the home and just be, being kept warm. So I make sure that the, the fireplace is there and the feast is there because Frahora wants to make sure everybody is happy, healthy and festive. The reason I go into all of this is because there's so much research that goes behind this book that I can now teach my son. So when he reads the story, it's not just, oh, here's this fun 
story. It's here's this whole entire history lesson about this rich history that your peers have no clue about. <laughs> and so as I raise Ragnar, his whole entire you isn't just, oh, this is how mom does it because this is how Mormor did it in Sweden. It's this is my tradition because picture it than just than just what my mom's doing. And I guess part of that is not really feeling like I'll be enough because eventually your parents aren't enough. We've we've all been there. We've all let our spirits soar and we kind of rebel against our parents for a while. <laughs> yes, yes but, I'm well aware of that right now. <laughs> but I mean, we come back and we come back independent and on our own. So I think the fact that I'm almost a mirror of my mother is a really good sign of a good childhood. <laughs> but yeah, overall, it's uh, like I want him to feel like this tradition is good, but I also want him to feel the freedom of, you know, choosing your own. And I didn't really expect that to happen until he was at least four. But I mentioned the holidays and presents and he mentioned Christmas and Santa already. And I'm like, no, I wanted to suck you into my stuff first. But we'll do both, I think, because um, I'll, I'll definitely do the Yule shoes at the front door where he'll get the small presents. And then we'll probably do a big Santa present like my mom had done as well, because I don't want him to feel left out or him feeling like Santa forgot him. But I think in our home, I'm going to tell him like, okay, so you want to play Santa this year? And then he'll kind of understand. And then when we read our, our books, he'll also see that Frau was the original Santa from the Bronze Age past. So I think just telling them all the information is important, giving them a background of everything from, you know, this is important for your family, but you can also choose your own path. And it's a little heartbreaking when it happens so soon. He's only two and a half, <laughs> but you know, he, He's out there in the world already and we're following his lead when it comes to when it comes to his past like he's a huge nature lover he's uh we just did the restore midgard movement where we clean up garbage but he's always been into making sure garbage is off the ground long before i i instilled that in him and I mentioned this over a group chat recently, but we do energy hugs as well. And this comes from my mom. Like she's she's also a Reiki master. And my mom, so she, her whole thing is healing energies and chakras. So making sure things are balanced. But I've always been about energy ever since I was a little kid and I got really angry and I'd run into the forest. And I'd, you know those tree wounds when they lose their branches? There's tree wounds, and there was this one particular tree by my school, and I'd run into this forest, and I'd put my hand on it, and uh, it would take away all of my negative energy, and I'd sit there and I'd talk to this tree. And by the time I left, I was calm, and that kind of feeling is what I got whenever I went into nature, and I sang like Pocahontas or something like that. And that was just very natural to me and my parents never hindered it. And with my son, it's it's the energy hugs. Like when he's upset, he'll come running over to me and I hold him close, but I also picture the, the energy from your soul in that moment when you really want him to feel better and you want to engulf him in all that love. And I really think he, he feels all of that. He's starting to he's to kind of get like that with nature as well, and it's it's really sweet. Whenever like he collects a bunch of things, rocks was a big thing for a while. Now it's pine cones, uh, pine cones and rocks. But he, every time we pick one up off the ground, it's thank you tree. And we even went apple picking there with uh, with Brian and Karen's family, and we make sure that we thank the trees for their fruit and everything so those are those are pretty much all of the ways I'm trying to encompass my path and my child and I can only hope that it sticks with him he's such a sensitive sweet little boy so I'm I'm hoping he, he kind of stays that way <laughs> oh it will be there when you were talking about how he was you know talking about Santa 
and your traditions. In my house, um, my husband was not a pagan. We had both. We had Yule and Christmas, and she would have Yule. You know, he would participate. He would sort of be there as well. And then there was, you know, Christmas with the grandparents and all of that big deal. So actually, um, yeah. uh, we always, the joke used to be the pagan kids are really lucky. They get it twice. <laughs> they get the whole Yule thing and all the, the gifting and the food and all the wonderful ceremony. And then they go and they do that as well with their grandparents. Yeah, that's so important. Ragnar has two cousins. Uh, they they came up to the Vetrinathar feast, but they do Christmas and they do Santa. And we're, we're finally close to them. We were living in Quebec for a while and now we're now we're in Nova Scotia. So the entire family is close. So the idea is we do our Yule on our day. And then for Christmas Day, we'll go down there and open up the presents and whatnot. But I'm sure everything will evolve and transform as time goes on. And I will just, I guess we'll just respect the, the natural course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to say, I, I think it's so important. I mean, I did the same thing with my son. He's now 14. But when he was four, you know, we, we talked a lot about Yule and we talked a lot about the winter solstice. You know, before I had ever had a chance to ever talk about Santa, he knew, right? He had been in the world. He had watched television. Random old people in the mall had said, is Santa coming? Right? So like, this is the cultural world that they live in. And so, you know, I was like, you know what? Santa's magic, there's elves, you know, what's not magic about this? So I did make a rule early on, Santa brought one present and it was handmade. Or he brought the one thing that you really wanted, but you had to make, ask for something that could be made by elves. We had puppets and puppet theaters and castles and swords and, and things like that. It's evolved a lot. And now Santa brings the one thing you're pretty sure your parents won't buy you. Um, so that's what my daughter has come to appreciate. She's like, well, I know you don't like this toy, but then there's Santa. And I know that there's this, there's this way that I can acquire this toy. <laughs> but um, but it, for, for many years, it was always that it had to be handmade in some way. It had to be wooden or, you know, something an elf could, could create. But it, it, you know, it brought its own magic too, but it also helped us to be, I mean, he had to be aware of the culture that we're in, right? Like this is, he has to have a conversation and, and, you know, live in the world and be able to say yes to the old people who talk to him in a store, you know, to have his grandparents also have a, a like a, a language that they could speak together, right? So, uh, so for our kids, it was always really important to have both and to recognize that there is nothing, you know, very little about Christmas or the, this holiday season that doesn't fit with what we do, right? I mean, it's trees, it's holly, it's mistletoe, it's, you know, uh, as Dar Williams says in her song, the Christians and the pagans, you know, it's bring, lighting trees in darkness, learning new ways from the old and making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the cold. Like there's... You know, there's nothing else like it. Like, that's the part that we can all celebrate together. We can all be together about. So in those early years, we actually did do presents at the solstice at Yule because we wanted to make sure our kids didn't regard it as a holiday that wasn't their favorite. So we made sure there was a little present that they all got to unwrap. And we don't do that anymore because they're older and they don't need it. But when they were little, <laughs> we absolutely did. So now the presents are books or board games like a one or two shared items that we bring out that we're going to do that night or craft kits sometimes depending on who's what age but we do we try to make sure that they have a, a cultural language that they speak that that fits in with their peers at preschool right they need to have things in common with other kids um, and they can also talk about their traditions as well bringing you back to Salwin a little bit I did have to go to preschool and say hey just so you know Summerland is not where we cottage you know, this has happened. A pet has died and she's talking about heaven. Okay. Like just so we have a cultural language. That is what my kid is talking about. There's apple trees there. That is what the picture that she's drawing. So like I, sometimes I would have to translate, but I don't anymore. My kids speak the language of everybody else. I actually find it quite amazing how the world has evolved and how much more respectful they are towards different paths. I, I, I live in Greenwood and it's very small. And I've tried to kind of keep to myself, but everybody Googles everybody. And within the first week of my son starting daycare, they, they immediately asked me to bring in Old Mother Frost to read to both groups of children. 
And at work, they uh, they Googled me right away. And they've also asked me to uh, order in a bunch of books for them to sell in the store. And I explained to them, hey, you know, it's not Christian, right? And it, it talks about like German and Swedish pre-Christian traditions in which Christmas comes from. And teach everybody. We want to teach everybody that there's all these different paths. And I find that like quite incredible because I kind of didn't want people to know who I was here because I was afraid of well, getting attacked or something. But like I am overwhelmed with how supportive everybody has been so far. Well, there is there is quite a pagan community in the valley. I'm actually from Greenwood. Isn't that interesting? My parents still live there, if you can imagine. But there is quite a large pagan community in the valley. And believe it or not, you will find there, that especially in, you know, the people who've been there generationally, and it's, a, you know, um, the valley is a, a large farming area that people do a lot of things that are so pagan, it's crazy. But they don't think about the fact that it is. Or, you know, you don't have to point it out to them, but they really do live, especially people in farming and you know all of that they really do live a very pagan life you're going to be, be very surprised i think that's a really good point i was thinking earlier today okay what am i going to say uh, what am i going to say tonight i don't i don't really know i don't have any notes i don't know what's going on and i started remembering when atticus was a little baby and he would pick up a blade of grass and he could examine this blade of grass with such marvel he was just blown away by how beautiful this one blade of grass was. And it taught me to re-examine everything. And as I was doing that and relearning all the little joys of life, I started thinking about how I was going to teach him these traditions and how I was going to draw those parallels. And, and similar to, to Kat and Jennifer, I really didn't want him to resent holidays like Christmas if I said, oh, you know, we don't do that in this house or, you know, the other kids do that, but we're not going to do it. I did the same thing. I, I balanced out gifts, you know, to put one on Yule just so that things are still fun. And we do all of our, our spiritual stuff on that day. And then, you know, Christmas is just kind of the commercially part of it. Um, but we get to do both so that we don't have to to not enjoy any of that. And again, it brings back to that sort of joy of learning and pagan parents get the added as we say in our house, an exciting challenge or that bonus challenge of having to connect what you're talking about with general the general populace and their traditions and then somehow also rope in, you know, your pagan beliefs. So my answer to everything always for some reason when I don't know what to do with my child is to go find a book that will explain that topic to them and it will give me words so that I can help explain it, you know, help build build and shape that for them. But as we've mentioned before, pagan books for children can be challenging to find, particularly when they're little. But there are lots of stories out there and lots of writers out there who have kind of a nature-based wave. Not that I want to do this again, but throwing back to Samhain, and since it was so recent, we had a cat pass away earlier this year, and as I started looking at my two 18-year-old pets, I thought, oh gosh, it's only a matter of time. And we really have to have the conversation. Like, he's going to have to hear this eventually. So I went out looking for a book. And we have a, a forgive me, Jennifer, we have an author that we enjoy very much <laughs> by the name of Britta Teckentrup. And she did, like, ocean and tree and moon. And it's just stories about what happened with these things, what the moon does and how it affects the earth and what lives in this one big tree and the seasons it goes through. And they're very earth-based. To my knowledge, she's not pagan and she doesn't sell them as pagan books or anything like that and i came across a book of hers called the memory tree so fox dies in the forest and where fox dies a tree grows up and all of his friends come and share stories about him around the tree and i thought wow that's that's the good stuff right there so i picked up this book and unfortunately about a week later our cat passed so it turned out you know it turned up well but relearning and better understanding all of our practices has been an added bonus of being a parent because not only do I have to sort of explain it to him, but I get to have that reinvigoration of those values and it's fantastic. Children really do teach us a lot Yeah, as we go along because we have to, we might just instinctively know, we then have to figure out how to tell them. So it's, it's very, very interesting, interesting having kids. I will say I never had too much trouble because, you know, there's always you know, presents and gifts everywhere. So she was always happy. We were always pretty easy. Now I will say, as my daughter is older, 
schools were not quite as broad-minded as uh, they are today. So you, you guys are really lucky to have that. Even when, you know, when my daughter was first born, you know, a few years before that, you're hearing about people who talk about their parents being, you know, kids talking about their parents being pagan, and the school's calling social services. That's not happening today. It's really, really great. So that, that's really nice that they're very inclusive and, you know, they're willing to listen. And so I'm really, really happy for, for that to be happening. About that, um, it's kind of interesting. The other thing that we're, we're doing, and I, I hear it in the stories that Karen's telling, and I know Maeve as well, that we weren't raised pagan, right? Like our mothers didn't do this, they did something else. And so this is something that we're putting together, that we're building, and it's, it, it's finding your own new traditions, right? Like mm. it's not easy mode, right? We're all trying to figure this out. Um, and Jennifer had to kind of reassemble and remember these traditions that her mother kind of brought to her as well. But it's also kind of a gift to figure out like what traditions that you really value and treasure that you want to pass on to your kids and what didn't you want? What don't you value that you can put aside and replace with something that you do value, right? We got to look at like what parts of this do we really like? We like sitting around in darkness. We like lighting fires and candles and, you know, feeling their warmth and seeing their light and really celebrating that light. Um, we like food. We like friends coming over. We like singing. You know, uh, 15, 20 years ago, I printed off pagan lyrics to traditional Christmas songs and I have I sung have that book coffee. with my children. Me too. I still have my coffee. <laughs> right? We made this tradition for for one night I think we sold them for a dollar because I had to pay to have them bid. and back in the day before everyone could just print and with a click of a mouse and yeah we've been singing those songs all of these years um, so I was able when my daughter learned piano and she got music to some of these songs I took a green pen and I wrote the lyrics over them so that and the titles that we use so that when when her piano teacher says you don't know this song and I was like she does know the song here are the words you know it by. <laughs> let me write the real the titles here because she had a Christmas song book at you know and, and the Santa songs are of course all the same and jingle bells and things like that but we did we have maiden mother ancient crone versus instead of uh, the three wise men so we did replace those and they were just lyrics that we found on the internet some of them were attributed in this little book that we wrote and distributed in the community and some of them we could never find who the authors were they were just sort of things that we found but they were the, the lyrics that we liked best and we sang them aloud and liked how they flowed and yeah so it's little traditions like that that we've which and now our kids will play a guitar song play a piano song we'll we'll sing along and we force them to stay with us the whole night and be all together and like this is what this night is all about is just kind of being together um different from our traditions we had pre-children where we would stay up all night and read tarot cards and drink and, you know, things like that now our our evening does end and now we have a morning celebration but, but uh, yeah no it's had to morph and evolve depending on what age they were but there's certain things that they kept and they liked um one thing that we did with them when they were very little it was just to kind of show them the value of light close the curtain and make it as dark as we could and in the early days i remember them crying and getting really fearful right and we'd have this moment where we would light our one candle and then we walk through the house singing songs and playing musical instruments and lighting a candle in every room in the house um and it felt so big when they were little the house felt huge and now we've got these two giant 14 year olds following us around and tripping over everyone as we do it and we do it still but it was a tradition we we came up with because they were little and we were just trying to explain what we were doing. Um, and now it's just become a thing that we have always done. So it, it's nice that we were able to build these traditions out of when they were little that are now going to be traditions that maybe they'll pass on, which is kind of nice. And my mom comes too, like she's a part of these traditions, even though they were not started by her. It's beautiful. You're talking about like creating and splicing your own traditions and everything like that. And there's benefits negative towards COVID. And one of the negatives and benefits was us having to do our own Yule with uh, for Ragnar's first Christmas. Or, no, second Christmas, but his, the first one where he could actually actively take part. And we ended up, I tried my best to recreate my mom's Swedish Yule and we did FaceTime Swedish cookies. So my mom and I were on the phone together for 
probably five hours baking cookies together and trying to do it properly because I'd always butchered them trying to do it myself. And this year they actually turned out really great. And then we'd have our feast and we'd have our ham because we can't find hog around here, but hog was very traditional. And I didn't realize that that was a very heathen kind of practice was having your sacrificial hog at the table and all that, but just making sure that all of that was there. But it was also, well, how do I bring my husband's German heritage into all this? I don't want it to be all Swedish all the time when Ragnar is also very much German. So uh, the next day, well, I'm, I finally found a German Christmas pickle. And that's the little tradition where you hide a little pickle in the tree and the person who finds it gets to hide it next year. So I'm going to start that one this year. But so for Christmas Day, we decided that we were going to do German pancakes in the morning, which is like an oven baked omelet almost. It's like an omelet cake almost. And then this amazing sweet syrup over top. And it just ends up bubbling and morphing into this <laughs> amazing weird cake casserole thing and then uh, making pretzels and all that but i'm really interested to see how his mom grew up with like german christmas like yeah she would have done german christmas it's been really fun to try to try to piece all this together but going from norse pagan to heathen and back and forth in between the new age and old ways stuff there is one thing I'm going to incorporate that I didn't grow up with, and that's the historic Yule, which is mostly from the old Saxon area, which is Germany and a little bit of the northern areas there. And that actually takes place on the full moon after the winter solstice in January, usually sometimes February. And you'd usually have three days during that full moon to make your sacrifice and make your promises. And it's almost like a heathen new year. Although I'm like, that's enough. Winter nights is more than new year, but this is when you make your promise, your unbreakable promises. And you'd have your sacrificial hog and all that. And you talk very openly about your gods and your ancestors and then your great deeds what you hope to accomplish and what you promise to accomplish. And for that, that's something very special and unique that I don't really think many of Ragnar's friends are going to have, but I'm going to take him out of school for those three days if he's not still in uh, school holidays and make that something that, you know, this is what we do and we'll have our fire and everything, but that'll be We'll, we'll kind of have both, so like New Age and New Age Yule in that regard. And then we'll have the super, super historic Yule for January and February. And I'm hoping that's something that he feels is like super special, or at least it's a cool story he can tell all his friends one day. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's been a lot of holiday, uh, holiday inspiration from my family and then just trying to incorporate my husband's heritage and then also just diving into another deep hole on uh, Yule as well and where it comes from because I don't even know if the if the information stops or how far down this rabbit hole I'm gonna get but it's been interesting so far and tying it into Ragnar's life and to our life is really interesting especially now that my husband has decided to kind of help us with the self-sustaining lifestyle and he's going to try to start sourcing our meat himself so really excited for all of this to come up to fruition that's amazing that's amazing Truthfully, what i've been thinking is thinking of all the things as everyone's talking thinking of all the things that i actually did do with my daughter you know what i mean growing up and and all of that Kids get older and maybe they wish to go a bit more on their own way. I'm going to say again that uh, don't be discouraged. As, uh, as I was saying, when my, my daughter lights up in ritual, she might be, you know, too cool of a teenager, older teenager right now for all think to be thinking about that. But there's no way they'll escape um, <laughs> what's inside of them. 
They will not escape the way they were raised and they, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to hide their magic. It'll all come back to them eventually, you know, even if it's, you know, but we still do Yule and when it's like, oh, what am I getting for Yule and for Christmas <laughs> sort of idea. So, but um, it, it's very good. I was thinking, geez, I did way more with my kids than I, I remembered. I suppose I just had to remember more. That was very, very nice. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer and Karen and Kat. And uh, for anybody out there, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can certainly uh, get a hold of us through our Facebook page. We welcome any comments or questions. If you have any suggestions about things you'd like to hear talked about, you know, give, us some, give us some stars or thumbs up there. And uh, we look very forward to speaking with you again. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, and Jennifer. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content, and we thank you for listening. And until next time, Mary meet. Mary part. Mary meet again. Let's it be. Let's it be. Let's it be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.